0: Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, if there's anything that's been a big win from lockdown, it has to be gardening. And on the whole, well, that's a good thing. More engagement with the natural space, the opportunity to grow your own zero food miles organic food, and for some, perhaps the chance to learn a new skill. But as with everything, there are a few issues. For a start, it's great if you've got your own garden, but of course many of us don't. And I'll come on to that later. And secondly, well, we've acquired some gardening habits which are downright bad for the environment. And one of them is peat. Now, peatlands are a key carbon sink and their health is crucial in the fight against climate change. Pristine and alive, they absorb enormous amounts of carbon dioxide and lock it up in peat accumulations, as well as supporting a unique diversity of peatland wildlife. However, once they're drained, cut into for peat extraction, they become huge carbon emitters and their biodiversity is lost. So we're being urged not just by environmental charities, but also by the Royal Horticultural Society themselves to ditch the peat habit and start gardening peat-free instead. But is it as easy as that? I spoke to Chris Thorne at Aylert Nurseries. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. So how can we tell if there's peat included in a bag of compost? Well, Amanda, many
1: companies uh, will give you a clue on the back of the bag. Some of them aren't very accurate. They just give you an indication. We think we've gone one better than that. at Aelix. We've actually asked the suppliers exactly how much is in the bag. And on all our signage, we put a percentage as to how much there was is in the bag. And just recently, we've gone one little step better and we've got a nice little pedometer on there. So you've got a, like a speedometer, but with how much peat is in the bag, so people can tell more at a glance than, than working out percentages.
0: Okay, so so that's really helpful that you've done that, so that as you say, so that your clients can make that choice. But if we look at a bag of compost, do we need to look for these words "peat free"?
1: Yes, if you're if you're looking on a bag of compost as how much is in it, usually they do they emblazon on the front that they are peat free. So if it hasn't doesn't say peat free on the bag, you can bet your bottom dollar that there's actually some peat in it.
0: Okay, so we're looking for those magic words. Now, peat-free compost, it has got a bit of a dodgy history. Some of it hasn't been so great in the past. But what are the current choices like? Well, Amanda, things
1: have have got a lot better. We did go through, I agree, we went through a sticky period of compost with particularly green waste in it. And so we got situations going on where the stuff was still rotting in the bag and you'd pick up a bag of compost and it's still warm where the decomposing process was still going on. So you'd have to reject that compost. But uh, things have gotten much better now. I think they've been paying people in white coats to do research and come up with better alternatives. So now we're we're pleased to see much better quality compost on the market for us.
0: Okay, well, that is good to hear. So are there different ways that we need to garden? Are there um, different things we need to do if we're using peat-free compost?
1: Yes, Amanda, there is. It does handle differently. And Whichever compost you use, when you pick up one that you're not used to, you'll find it handles differently. It's got a different recipe in and it handles differently. Peat-free, uh, quite mark- markedly so. Often they've got things like bark in and that drains more freely. So you might have to not necessarily add more water, but apply water more often. You, know, you could find your compost drying out uh, more than you'd expect if you're being used to a, peat, a peat-based compost. And, and if you do apply lots of water, it's going to take some of the fertiliser with it. So you might have to put more in, Um, just be aware of that.
0: So what's your favourite peat-free
1: compost? I think my favourite must be the the Melcourt one. It's difficult to say I've got a favourite. I keep trying a different one each year, so it's difficult to talk about them if you haven't tried them. So I tend to try a different brand each time. But I think the Melcourt one, with its, um, they do three three types of peat-free, but one of them's got some johnny news. It means it's got soil in it. And I quite like that. You know, Mother Nature's developed this product over millions of years, and I like to put that in the bag. So it's a nice, sterilized, good quality topsoil. Um, And soil is very good at acting as a buffer for taking on extra fertilizer and giving it out. um, And it adds weight in the pot too. So if you've got pots that are going to, with tall plants in, are going to blow over a nice bit of weighty soil in the bottom in the pot. Uh, makes it more stable.
0: Okay, well, that's uh, that's good to hear that there's one that you're really happy with. So composts aren't the only time that we might be buying peat. We don't tend to think about this quite so much, but um, it's often used as a growing media for the plants that we we buy from nurseries like Haylerts. How can we tell if a plant that we buy has been grown peat-free?
1: Well, do you know, Amanda, we were just looking at this this morning and that, there's actually quite some room for improvement. This morning, we could only find one product Uh, some grafted vegetables from Sutton's that actually got a label on saying this is peat-free. And and many of the growers just aren't yet going entirely peat-free because they work towards replacing the peat. They don't feel that they can go totally 100%. So there aren't many growers using totally peat-free composts.
0: Okay, Um, but as you say, you have got um, one grower there that's been able to provide you with something peat-free. So hopefully this is something we'll be able to see more of in the future.
1: I'm sure we will. Yeah, gradually we will. I mean, it is is finding that holy grail of of where people are relying on growing plants. They need to grow the best they can because many customers will look at the two plants and if one is in peat free and it's not growing as well, they're going to buy the better plant probably. And so many growers are thinking, well, I need to grow the best I can and if I have to put a bit of peat in, that's what I'm going to do. But um, on the,
0: I was going to say, but on the whole, the horticulture industry is aiming to go peat-free.
1: Oh, very much so. Yeah, we'd all we'd all love to, to reduce our carbon footprint and, and not be digging up peat. Just the same as we w- don't want to spray our plants. You know, we're all finding alternatives to doing all of this. And actually, yeah, absolutely, we we're, we're doing our best. We think we're trying to leave all the information for customers. Uh, we can talk to them. And we feel getting involved with people like yourself, we're trying to pay, take people with us to cause that change where people do go peat free.
0: Are you finding that your customers are increasingly asking for peat free or, or wanting more information yes. about
1: it? For, no, they are. We've got, bar, we've got bar charts. When we started off in 2000, back in 2008, when we started taking making records, we can say we were 46% peat free. People were asking for it even then. But then it, it went back up to 54, 56, where, where they were actually saying, no, thank you very much. That's when they tried the, the stuff that wasn't doing so well. But it's, it's it's gone back up now to 64. So we can say that people are going more and more peat-free. They're getting the message. And it's, it's just like doing things like this, which will get the message out. Keep going, Amanda.
0: (laughs) That's good to hear. Thank you very much. That's what we're here for, Chris. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for explaining all that to us today. I was talking there to Chris Thorne of Eilert Nurseries. Do take a look at the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust website for more advice on peat free compost, to take their peat free pledge, and to sign the trust petition asking for sales of peat based materials to end. So that's one of the gardening problems hopefully solved, but how about the problem of those who would like to grow things but have no garden? Well, a community garden has been developed over the last year in Marshallswick on the grassy area near the Community Hall and the Parish. Parish. Parish Council Office. Sandridge Parish Council Officer Rebecca Paness, she's been overseeing the garden and she brought together outside and socially distanced some of the industrious volunteers whose hard work has enabled the garden to flourish so we can speak to them. But first I spoke to Sandridge Parish Councillor Jenny Roberts and I started by asking her where the idea for the community garden came from.
2: We were looking for something within our Pars and Environment group to expand our ideas. And it was also to do with the St Albans Sustainability Festival. And it showed us that this was an ideal slot to use this bit of grass as our community garden, because it's close to the office and in a really good place. There's a bus stop and it gets quite a lot of use all along here. And people live in flats alongside here who haven't got any gardens. So it seemed a really good place to do it.
0: And what did you hope to achieve when setting up the garden?
2: I suppose several things to improve the look of the place as well, but to actually have a feeling that people could belong to something as the volunteers and and own the garden as a community and to enjoy doing the garden and making the opportunity to have some nice... Flowers and also all the vegetables, particularly. So you know, changing our our thinking really about the spaces that we've got and and how we can make the best use of them.
0: Yeah, indeed. So I mean, it kind of been the easiest time to get this project off the ground with lockdown and COVID and everything. Um, are you pleased with how it's gone?
2: Oh, absolutely delighted because even overall of the pandemic, it's something that people have been able to come and take part in and the loads of people have visited the garden and we've got some picnic benches and things and they've really appreciated it being there so in one sense it's been an ideal time because people are looking at their environment more than ever and walking about and not just driving past in cars and so it was it was really somewhere to come to
0: and so you know if people are listening and thinking oh well do you know something I kind of didn't realise I could possibly join in with that can other people come along and have a go and join in yes
2: yes we're eagerly looking for more volunteers and our present volunteers are always telling other people about it you know it's not a closed shop of, of who's in the group it's actually something we want to
0: really expand brilliant well that sounds like a very welcoming and lovely project you've got going there Jenny now, as Jenny said, what started last year as a grassy area has now been transformed by the hard work of the volunteers. There are now fruit trees and bushes, raised beds for flowers and vegetables, and a bench so that uh, you can pause and enjoy the area. So let's hear from the lovely volunteers. First, I spoke to Mike and I started by asking him why he'd got involved in the community garden.
3: I wanted to get involved locally to be part of the community because I moved here. I wanted to engage with the community. I'm a retired individual, and obviously, at my age, the community is a very important factor in my well-being. Yes,
0: indeed. And do you have your own garden at home?
3: No, that was another driving factor that associated me getting involved with this, the community garden. Um, I didn't have a garden myself. I was used to having a garden. And I liked the idea of helping other people enjoy the space that we have. And I very much enjoy being in that space myself.
0: Brilliant. And have you been able to bring a little bit of your, of your gardening expertise from other gardens that you've had to contribute to the project?
3: Oh, absolutely not. I am not a gardener. I am one of those individuals where people give me instructions and I follow them blindly. And have you enjoyed learning about gardening? Oh, fabulous. Absolutely. It's been great. You know, I'm starting to talk like a gardener these days, you know, using words like plants and bees (laughs) and uh, growth and cold and fertilizer and compost, you know.
0: So what have you enjoyed most about volunteering at the garden?
3: Well, I, I think The garden has actually been part of a lifesaver for individuals. And I don't, I mean, it's a euphemism, I know. But when COVID came in, we were advised to exercise, to be in the open air and to have a little distance from people. And the garden has provided the ideal situation for us to do a little bit of work, to communicate with individuals whilst having the space to be able to do that, and also being out in the open air. So the, the little bit of exercise, the little bit of socialising has been great.
0: So there we heard from Mike. Now let's hear from volunteer Sally. Hi Sally, when did you decide to join the community garden?
4: I took the plunge, I saw Rebecca and Simon one day planting things up and I've always been a keen gardener so I literally went up to them and asked them if they wanted a hand and yeah, they said yes so I was enrolled that day basically, I was watering the garden come the evening.
0: I Brilliant. <laughs> they absolutely. obviously recognised a good thing when they saw it. Yeah. So Sally, what do you get from the garden? It sounds oh. like you're quite a knowledgeable person.
4: Yeah, I love gardening. I absolutely love gardening. I adore gardening. I adore um, planting something from seed and just watching it grow, basically.
0: Um, do you have your own garden at home, Sally?
4: I've got a patio area the, yeah, that's looking a bit like you gardens at the moment. It's got about 20 pots. <laughs> And um, yeah, every time I go up to carpenters, it's lucky I don't drive because um, if I did, <laughs> the car would be
0: absolutely full of stuff. <laughs> do you know, Sally? Do you know what you mean there? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's something I suffer from as well. So it must be really nice for you to have a whole new space to uh, to be able to tend. Yeah,
4: it's exciting and it's um it's really really lovely and yeah, I get excited when we got some new beds as well this year. New beds for the wildflowers more beds, more growing, more more.
0: Yes. And how about the other people involved? Do you enjoy passing on your knowledge?
4: I do. I pass my knowledge on to Mike and I also pass my knowledge on to passing people that come up to the gardens because they always want advice about what to do with the gardens and, and they've got plants at home and do they want? Is it the right time to plant them out and things like that? So yeah, I do enjoy passing on my knowledge and researching stuff because uh, although I'm a keen gardener, I haven't got an horticultural degree, but I love to research things,
0: which is brilliant. So it's proving to be an opportunity for learning, even yes. for somebody like you who knows quite a lot
4: as well. Yeah, because I think you can learn at any age. I don't think there's an age limit to learning,
0: particularly when it comes to gardening. There's always more yeah, to know, isn't definitely. there? Brilliant! Oh well, I can see, I can see from the look on your face just here on the screen that uh, that you absolutely uh, love your gardening and you're oh, really do. enjoying this the mm. space there. So I would take fingers all
4: to bed with me good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fing, fingers crossed for a good growing summer yeah, this year. Exactly. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Sally. No problem. So if you're local to Marshallswick, you'd be welcome to join in with their community garden. You could do just like Sally did and go up and introduce yourself. Or if you live in the Sopwell area, then you might have seen the new Grow Community Sopwell garden that's just being started there near the Burners Drive play area. And volunteers have just been creating some new raised beds, so do check out their Facebook page. I'm sure they'd love you to be involved. And if you're super busy in your garden this week, then it might come as a relief to know that it's no mow May again. Yep, that's just what it is. Leave your lawnmower in the shed for a month and get on with something else. Hopefully in the meantime, your lawn will be pushing up some flowers that the pollinators can, be, can enjoy. Take a look at the podcast page of the Radio Verilum website, radioverulam.com to hear me talking to Dr. Trevor Dines of Plant Life last May, who explains all about the initiative. So perhaps you're doing something great for the environment in your garden. Well, do get in touch. You can contact us on Twitter at RV underscore environment or take a look at the Environment Matters Facebook page. Or you can drop me a line on Amanda at radioverulum.com. Always good to hear from you. I'm going to be back at the same time next week. Until then, thanks for listening.